Good afternoon and welcome to the Trade Hour Season 3. We're off and running. What an amazing, what an amazing time to be in business. What an amazing opportunity this economy provides for every one of us. We're, uh, we're, we're at the we're at the pointy end of a financial year starting, a financial year finishing. I love the crossover between an old season finishing and a new season starting. The Trady Hour is an opportunity where we get together. We have an amazing array of panellists here uh, for this afternoon's um, episode. And I look forward to unpacking, unpacking what does it take in this economy to be truly, truly, truly quoting, attracting and winning profitable work. Wow, profitable work in an, in an inflationary economy. What an unbelievable context, concept that is. In saying that, it is possible. This is where good businesses become great and the great become what I refer to legendary and, and ultimately benchmark businesses. What does it look like? in creating relationships that befit a partnership with your, with your team, with your suppliers, with your customers? What does it take in a trades and construction business to be that business? So without further ado, I want to introduce our panellists uh, joining me here this afternoon. Mark Carrington, National Sales Manager of Midis. Midis is a, is a leading, it is the leading, I believe it's the benchmark electrical contracting supply wholesaling business in Australia. All almost 100 years and four generations into this legendary business called Midi's Electrical Wholesale. I look forward to uh, hearing from Mark. I also want to introduce David Holmes, the CEO of Fergus. Fergus is a job management platform and looks after 20,000 20,000 small and medium trades and construction business throughout Australia, New Zealand and the UK. A phenomenal success story in the making there. And we have Richard Hunt from CNR All Sparks Electrical joining us here today, a small business owner in, in South Australia and Adelaide, growing and pushing the barriers as to what's possible in being an amazing owner of an electrical contracting business versus being the best electrician in an electrical contracting business. Good afternoon, guys, and welcome. Welcome, Mark. Good to see you here this afternoon. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, Stefan, um, and glad to be a part of um, today's episode. Mate, good to have you here. And and again, just very quickly, um, you, you, ten words or less. What are you experiencing as it relates to again this this cornerstone called an end of a financial year and a start starting of a financial year period that we're just about to uh, get into? Yeah, look, it's um, certainly got some challenges there at the moment, Stefan. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but I think there's a great opportunity. Um, the construction industry is uh, booming around Australia, and um, it's important that um, you know, we talk about how we can get that profitable um, sales for everybody. Yeah, no, fantastic. And it, take, and it takes a, uh, as they say, Mark, it takes a village to raise a child, doesn't it? I mean, you, you, no one should ever feel in trades and construction that you're there on your own. You're not. I mean, you know, support and, and, and relationships and, 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 you know, there's never a dumb question either, is there, Mark? Absolutely not. Look, there's, um, there's a lot of, lot of challenges out in the marketplace at the moment and, um, you know, whether you're um, a small business or a large business, um, we need to make sure that we're on top of all parts of our business in these challenging times. And, um, you know, we, we really need to communicate, um, have good communication right, right throughout the industry. 
Yeah, no, fantastic. I look back to look forward to circling back in a moment and uh, and opening up, really expanding today's uh, conversations as it relates to you know not only quoting but winning and then delivering and then collecting profitable work. You know, is a there's a whole sequence to that uh, to that game plan, no doubt. David Holmes, so good to have you here. I mean, I uh, what a privilege to have you here, and uh, an, an, an extraordinary uh, career and uh, and track record in, in growing tech based businesses. But most importantly, in recent times, being the CEO of Fergus, an amazing success story. You know, to, to tell us about uh, good to have you here. Firstly, and tell Thanks, us a little bit about the Fergus journey. I mean, started by a plumber in New Zealand who who just saw an opportunity. Now, twenty thousand clients later. In the yeah. UK, in Australia, New Zealand, my God, what an amazing, what an amazing juggernaut that is! Tell us more about that. Yeah, Dan, Dan Pollard started as a, a plumber. He went broke twice in his twenties. Um, he's still involved in the business. He and I work very closely together, um, and uh, he, he handles sort of a lot of the product features, making sure that we're actually hitting the mark in terms of the problems we're solving. Uh, and I take care of the staff and the marketing and and the money and all that sort of un, un, unfun stuff for him. So. Uh, yeah, we work really closely together. But yeah, he 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 learned his lesson as as a young kid. His dad was a builder. His dad told him, "You're not, you're not going to be a builder. You're going to be a plumber. You make more money." Um, that didn't work in the in his twenties. And then he realised he was a great plumber, but it got put behind a a whole pile of gyprock, and no one actually saw his great work. Uh, and realised he didn't actually know what was going on with his time, what was going on with his materials. So. He ended up building uh, Fergus while still running his business. So he was four people at that stage. It was his last go. He was going to go and do something else if he didn't get it right. And uh, two years later, he was 24 people uh, and and had a multi-million dollar software business that he then sold his plumbing business and said, I'm just going to focus on the software. So, yeah, it's been an amazing journey from from the guy from, from the outskirts of Auckland to where we are now. Made amazing and look forward. Well, what, what do you see? You know, what do you see as it relates to your servicing twenty thousand? And that's not a, you know, in any way, in any way you look at that, that is an amazing, I guess, level of trust and and commitment to your uh, to your community, being trades and constructions predominantly, and small and medium. You know, we're not, we're not talking about the big end of town here. What do you see as a growing trend and or the growing need in the market as it relates to? trades and construction what are you seeing right now and and how are you solving that problem as as mark said we're booming right so the 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 construction industry is booming but there's a lot of guys you know um you know busy losing money so the biggest issue there is complexity uh, not just in prices in legislation in tax in all sorts of different things that are changing at the moment you know cost structures in and around workforce and workforce and, and, and getting that that working so yeah what what uh, is really important there is understanding your inputs and your outputs which is what fergus does for you across the entire range of what you do um through relationships with 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 our mates of middies and others um and also what you're doing with your time but the biggest the biggest you talked about before you're not on your own um the biggest thing we're investing in outside of product is community to, to actually make sure people understand that that there are there people there to help them, whether it be consultants like yourselves, whether it be software companies, whether it be the guy down at their local MIDI store, like it's a great community. And, and if you're leveraging that, we just want to be part of that and help, you know, the small part of tech to actually help the end to end information flows to, to navigate with the complexity. So yeah, at the moment, great amount of business, but the complexity is just going through the roof for, for the small business owner. 
Yeah, no, 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 no truer words spoken, particularly. Uh, and if you think about complexity and a thing we can't control called the economy, and and the and the and the the, the, the massive implication that has, particularly if you're too busy being, as we know, on the tools and not raising your eyes enough to see what is the brutal truth as to are we winning or are we not winning or are we on track or are we not on track, which is a great segue to our uh, our third guest and panellist here uh, this afternoon, uh, Richard Hunt, CNR Allsparks, small family-owned business in, in Adelaide, South Australia. Carol and yourself have been phenomenal, phenomenal clients of Business Benchmark Group over the last uh, almost two years now. Uh, welcome and, and good to have you here, mate, representing, again, the salt of the earth, the person who's on the front line doing the, uh, doing the grunts and, and leading, leading a small business in, and having an identity shift from being the best electrical electrician, let's call it, you're the best electrician in the business you were two years ago, weren't you, mate? But we've definitely sacked you from being the best electrician to being the best owner in your business. Welcome, mate, and good to have you here this afternoon. How um, how are you? Um, how is Adelaide? How's it going? I mean, Adelaide's this thing that's certainly um, um, on the cusp of having some significant growth in infrastructure and, and civil works. No different to everywhere else in Australia and New Zealand. There's, there's a significant boom going on. But are we making money Richard, what's happening in uh, in Adelaide? What can you share with us? Thanks for having me, Stefan. Um, yeah, we're definitely making money. We wouldn't be here if we weren't. Um, but well, I definitely was um, on the tools um, and very busy um, prior to starting with you guys. Um, Adelaide is booming. Um, and since working with you guys, I've had the opportunity to step away and have a look at my numbers uh, more, which gives me the opportunity because you can be busy um, and have a lot of work, but not know if you're making money or not. So with Adelaide, yes, it's busy, but it's important to set that time aside to either use your job systems and have a relationship with your wholesalers and you can communicate with them. Um, you can get caught up um, being busy and not making money. So it's important that you have job software to watch your costs and have a good relationship where you can communicate with your wholesalers. So, so you're, you're currently sitting at about 10 people on the team. You've got five, um, five um, crews or vans on the road. And, and I know enough about you um, and, and, and the way you see and or view your, uh, your journey going forward to know this is just a, a step in your journey. And, 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 and it's not about being a big business, is it? Um, it's, it's definitely about how do I continuously ensure I'm being a rich business? In other words, you know, I can get to next year, I can get to the year after, and I'm always one step ahead. So, mate, well done on that firstly. But I guess um, what, what are you seeing as it relates to, you know, feet on the ground, at the front line, you've got builders, you've got, you got, you got your customers that are needing you to do the work. What are you seeing as a, as a trend right now and how are you, as best you can describe it, how are you combating a trend that's not exactly the same as it was a year ago or two years ago? How are you combating the trend in the economy right now? How, what are you doing about that? So what we're doing is we're communicating with our customers. If price rises are coming through, then we're communicating with our customers. Um, you know, if there is any payment issues, um, then we make sure that customers are communicating with us. Um, just so that we're on the forefront of it and that we know what direction that we have to move forward. Um, if we need to pivot somewhere and make a move, we can. So communication is the biggest thing with our suppliers and with also our customers. 
and, and his communication, as you refer to communication, because, again, when you're building a partnership, when you're in a relationship, it's not always one way. And I've been married for 25 years. I can say that with a lot of confidence. <laughs> and, 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 you know, your relationships with your team, your suppliers and your customers is a little bit like a marriage as well, right? So it's not always one way. And, and sometimes you need to get some feedback as to if you are one way. But how are you, how are you embracing a win-win-win? Um, approach to your communication? How are you embracing that? And what are you learning from that at a personal level as a young business owner that's definitely moving in the right direction? Yeah, so one of the things that we do is we meet with our suppliers um, and we discuss what we want, but we also discuss what they want from us. So, you know, obviously they want to be paid on time, so we make sure that they are paid on time every time. Um, and we also communicate with our clients and you know, what is it that they want out of it? And then we just sit back and we'll have a listen to them and see what they want. And then when we make sure that we can perform that, that also comes back to our team because without our team, we also can't produce the work for our customers. So, you know, if we ask our team, we expect something done, um, but, you know, they might want something in return. So say, for instance, for us, our boys wanted RDOs um, or time in lieu. So we have actually gone to a lawyer, sat down, talked to them, and it's something that we're going to introduce for our team. So it keeps our team on point as well, because at the moment, everyone would know um, employment's gone up and people are just jumping ship for money. So we want to make sure that we have our team that we've built up, we've trained. So we want to make sure it's win-win for everyone. Yeah, fantastic. And you do know this is a, an episode that is live right now and your team are going to hear this, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Which, again, I, I know you have no issue about that because you have a, an amazing level of transparency in your business. Great segue back to Mark. Mark, as it relates to, um, you know, MIDI's being the force that it is um, in Australia as it relates to, you know, a significant um, supplier of product and, and, um, and, 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 you know, the reliance of a supplier being on time and on budget. The reliance of open and transparent communication with with um, you know your 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 tradie based clients builders as well, uh, Mark. I'll, I'll flick over to you for a moment. Um, I guess being at the forefront of being you know informed six months, three months, sometimes even twelve months ahead as to trends that are coming through. How do you and and middies um, embrace? again, being at the forefront of communication and building awareness to your client base. How do you how do you guys approach and ultimately champion communication at MIDI's with the end user client for you guys? Yeah, look, the, the supply chain has been a challenge for, for all businesses, Stefan, over the last 18 months, two years. You just have to look at um, you know the, some of the, the shipping channels um, at some of the major ports around the world and how many um, you know, boats are lined up? There's literally thousands upon thousands. So a lot of the suppliers have had to get on the front foot and make sure that they've got you know, plenty of stock on the water. And, um, and then obviously the communication from us to our contractors with price rises. And if I talk you know, um, about the electrical industry, and this is something that Richard would really resonate with, is cable, for example, you know, something that's obviously used by every electrician every day uh, trying to stay in front of the curb uh, when it comes to price increases with copper going through the roof. Um, you know, cable's gone up significantly and it goes up every virtually every month. So, you know, keeping the, the information that we get off suppliers with the copper increases and with, you know, you know major brands, we have a contractor resource um, section on our, on our website. 
um, where all the letters from all the different suppliers um, are there um, that talk about the increases and what percentage the product's going up. So, um, you know, but it is very difficult to uh, manage because the, the amount of supplies that are having price increases um, and the um, how often they're coming through, Stefan, is significant and uh, has proved a real challenge. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So unless the contractor um, is really communicating um, and the wholesaler is really communicating and business owners are in really looking at their business, they can come unstuck. So it's a real communication. And um, you know, that's what we're really looking at at Midis. And one of the things I, I've, I've always loved about Midis is you've always been at the forefront of, you know, I love your road shows. Like every year you guys get around and bar the COVID years, which were a little bit restrictive for everyone. But but typically you go out as an organisation and, 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 you know, you do 14 to 15 um, community and, and attracting all your clients, suppliers, bring them, bring them. Even if they're not customers of yours, you're bringing them together every so often. And, you know, um, in recent times you've been attracting, you know, 200, 300, 400 people to these events, um, which has a uh, – so if you go to the Midi's um, website, if you're a trade-based, if you're an electrical trade-based business, go to the Midi's website and, and, and register uh, – to attend one of their upcoming events if they're in your backyard. Just truly amazing and a spectacular uh, show of community. But, um, you know, your, your ability to run those events and bring people together and, and inform them in a, in a collective, but also at, a, at an individual level, and we have plenty of our clients that have middies as their, their number one um, supplier um, for, their, for their needs in their business. And, and they all, you know, tick the box that says, you know, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, um, um, you know, satisfaction levels, which is amazing because we, we do research who our clients are using and who are definitely the leaders as it relates to uh, that, that, that piece of relationship because we know. And I'm come from a manufacturing background. I know that I could not have produced 50, 60, 70,000 pieces of, of garments to Nike, Adidas and Puma back in the 90s in Australia if I didn't have great fabric, buttons, collars and thread suppliers. Interestingly enough, our thread supply was our most important supplier because without thread, your T-shirt you're wearing right now would not be <laughs> around your shoulders, mate. It would be around your neck, your knees, right? So... The little things and how important that is. But just coming back to your community events and, and, and the ethos of it's about bringing the community together and the community being informed, aware, educated, sometimes entertained as well because they, they are ripper events that you guys put on. Um, what do you, when, when I just reference that, for you and, and, and the building of strong relationships, Mark, what does that, how does that resonate for you? And you're right at the forefront as the national sales manager of Midis as to why those events are so important. Yeah, look, um, our contractor nights or REC nights, we like to um, call them as well. Um, you know, as, as you pointed out, Stefan, we get between two and 300 electrical contractors at those nights. We, um, we've redefined them over around about 25 years. It was, um, Built on the back of you know 25 years ago, it was a um, sausage sizzle, um, as much beer as you could drink, and it'd be held in the back of one of the branches. And um, you know contractors would probably run the run the gauntlet to a degree of you know getting driving home, and you know which is obviously something that we don't we don't um, we don't go with these days. But you know when we when we do these functions, we like to have a professional trade show with all the key suppliers for about an hour before the function. We get all our cust um, customers then come in, and we invite. Um, you know, business owners, uh, apprentice, apprentices, um, partners, husband, uh, wives, whatever it may be, 
And um, you know, we, we, we look at industry, things that, um, that are happening in the industry, like for example, at the moment, we've got electrical vehicle charging. Um, you know, that, that's something that's gonna be massive in Australia. Um, we get uh, the Energy Safe Victoria to come and talk about the latest regulations. And um, we get them professionally hosted, um, three, you know, two, two or three course meal. And uh, we have a little bit of fun as well. So we have a bit of a comedy sketch and uh, you know, the night's over by 9, 9.30 and um, everyone's on their way. So we just find them as a, a really good, good way to communicate with their contractor and keep them up to date with the latest trends in the marketplace. Which, which is very, very important because um, I learned very early in business, if you play the game, and it's fun, right? I mean, the game of pin the tail on the donkey is an unbelievable fun. But if you're doing that with your business, at some point you're going to get hurt. Like that uh, baseball bat's going to come your way and it will hurt, uh, which is a great segue into uh, into uh, David, I guess. You know, there's there's definitely a changing economy. There's a changing economy. The, the, the costs of doing the business, the day-to-day business, the job-to-job business is changing on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. And 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 owners and, and trades and construction business owners at SME level are needing to be at the forefront of being aware and no longer is ignorance or avoidance behavior A-OK. So at, at, at a Fergus level, David, how is it that you're continuously assisting the uh the, the elimination of uh, pin the tail on the donkey and the optimization of you must know what you need to know. And when you know it, don't shy from it, do something about it. How are you guys on the platform of Fergus assisting job management systems, ensuring are we or are we not on track with the uh, schedule? Are we or are we not executing at an OH&S and E level as well. So do you want to speak to that as to, uh, because the prediction, the prediction from economists and analysts, and I'm going to open up a, uh, a very important slide in a moment. The prediction is that, you know, they're anticipating 40%. Now it's an anticipation. It's not a confirmed number. 40% of trades and construction businesses in our region, let's call it Australia and New Zealand, will be insolvent or truly in financial uh stress within the next two to three years. So how does Fergus and what you see assist that not needing to be the case? Yeah. Uh, and, and and it, it comes from that insight with, with, with Dan as a founder of a business, you know, was plenty of business going broke in, in his twenties, understanding what you actually need to do, which is everything. And you need to be across everything, you know, whether it be a, the cleanup and the, and that make sure all the, all the mess is taken away because that, is a reason for someone not to pay you uh, as much as it is to start with a really strong terms of trade. So your terms of trade are front and centre, particularly at the moment with with uh, materials costs, you know, in flux and unfortunately only going one way at the moment because of of commodity prices and and supply chain issues. So your terms of trade up front with your quotes, with your with your relationships, reminding those. So every single quote that goes out, it's there again. Every single invoice, it's there again. Um, and then that communication of, you know, things have changed. You know, you, you know this quote is, was val- valid for 30 days. We're 60 days on. I've got to give you a, a reassessment of that. So for that all to work without it crippling a business <clears throat> and remembering the, the average size of business in the trades industry, plumbing, electrical, um, is, is just under four people in this country, right? So the average your four-person business doesn't have time to spend all day doing the admin. So they've got to do the admin on top of everything else. So the way that we designed this was 
as a workflow. So as you're working, as your guys are working, they're, they're doing all the tasks they need to do. It's going into a system that OHS is a great example of one, right? So there's a lot of, of government businesses that through COVID, if you didn't actually have your COVID checklist and you couldn't prove that attached to a job, at the end of a job, they wouldn't pay you. Um, and you go, oh, there's another new one. And then there's a whole pile of OHS and, and working with, you know, whether it be swims, whether it be whatever else you might be doing, there's all these extra bits. So it's not just as simple as quote, do the work, get paid like it used to be. That is the core comp you know, composition of a job management system. But what Fergus has ended up being is a Swiss army knife of all the little bits, you know, uh, communications with your team. Have you done your swim? Have you filled out your OHS form? But rather than having to have the office managers fill out 15 bits of paper that have come in from the job site, it's all on a mobile phone. So you're actually using, you know, simple things that someone does when they start at a job site, very simple list, tick, 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 done, I'm compliant. I can now get into the work. So it's, it's thinking about how you can efficiently get the data where it needs to get to, keeping it in one place so that you, when you're talking to your customer can go, they go, oh, hang on a minute, you didn't do X. Yes, you did have it here. Oh yeah, you did. Oh, okay, we'll pay you. And that was that was that was Dan's entire thing. We we talked to a lot of guys that are still on paper. Seventy percent, right? If you're talking about the the those those guys that are still on paper are the guys that are going to struggle. We do not see guys on on job management systems going broke as, as frequently as guys that are still trying to wing it with paper. The move moving parts is too many. Seventy percent of the Australian market of electricians and plumbers are still on paper. And by that, we mean Excel spreadsheets, right? Not a system. Um, that's just not going to cut it. Man, that just gave me goosebumps. Like literally that, that and, and it's a fact and it's a very important fact. And I feel it's a highlight fact for uh, where we go next in this, um, in this discussion as a panel, because, you know, just at the end of May, we had um, the chief, the chief, um, the chief economist at, um, at NAB saying, yeah, the economy finished like we, we finished with a uh, actually we, we finished the quarter of March 20, 2022. We finished the quarter in Australia with a with a growth with a growth um, as an economy. Um, I think it was 0.08 or whatever it was several weeks ago. But the point is, he goes, we're keeping a very tight look at the construction industry. And that's as a result of the domino factor of some of the bigger boys that have been certainly, you know, um, um, caused the ripple, particularly up north. And, and there's been a handful down south in Australia where, you know, they're, 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 they're sniffing around the edges whether they'll get through or not. We don't need to name names. We just need, need to know, and it's public knowledge, that there have been big boys that have gone down and taken little, little and the domino effect with them. Typically, who they take out are the people who are running businesses that are glorified jobs, that are still doing things as you just shared at a very uh, at a very introduction level in business, and their business is better than that, and their business deserves more than that. It's like a little child. If you if you're a teenager and still wearing um, um, Bob the Builder T-shirts, you have an issue, right? You, you have an issue, right? No different in business. If you're if you're going about what is your teenage stage, you're at your first million dollars or your first half a million dollars of business now, or two million dollars for that sake, and you're still wearing, you know, an Excel spreadsheet to give you the insights as to where you go from here, you're going to leave something behind because um, even Excel spreadsheets are a beast in their own. But 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 there is a considered. There is a considered attention right now being put 
on the construction and trades industry. The volume builders and the larger commercial builders at that are being challenged right now because they've had lock-ins. They've had lock-ins with their prices that are, you know, one, two, three, four years um, in the making. Some of the developers are saying, well, bad luck, you signed the contract. Some of the builders now need to honour those and therefore the pressure's going down to the common trade and construction-based business. An interesting fact that, you know, the majority of trades and construction in this part of the world hover around four to five people on the team. So if you're over that and you're actually making money, you're at the top 20% of the benchmark in the industry and You've got only one way to keep on going, and that's up. But I want to share this slide, and I want to share this slide because it's a very important slide for us to speak to. So if a year ago, in the middle of 2021, and just before that, because of the global um, trends around inflation and the cost of freight and the cost of materials was definitely escalating, and you're absolutely right, um, David, all on the back of you know global forces, commodity pricing. Everything was getting tighter, and therefore supply was getting lesser, demand gets higher, we've got a price issue. No two ways. Basic economics, even if you just um, read the book today. Basic economics. So a year ago, the economists and the analysts are saying, we expect there to be some carnage in the next two to three years. And in trades and construction, 40%, 40% um, of businesses, we are anticipating an insolvency, an insolvency situation. Preview. So welcome back. And as I share this slide, as I share this slide, the prediction a year, a year and a half ago was that there will be 40% insolvencies in the trade and construction industry over the next two to three years. So within the panel here um, this afternoon at this um, the Trady Hour episode that we are currently working through, Quoting and winning profitable work, which means you have an opportunity to say no if it's not profitable and if it's not progressive and if it's not relational. In other words, if you finish the job and you don't get a referral, you finish the job and you don't get a five-star Google review, or if you finish the job and you don't get repeat business, say no. So we at Business Benchmark Room have gone and unpacked why is it, why is it, what are the five key bits and pieces that we need to continuously protect our community here, which are trades and construction um, business owners at the SME level. How do we help them not be part of that predicted statistic? Well, they need to learn how to say no to work that is not ideal, to customers that are not ideal, and definitely jobs and, and margin that is not ideal. It is not okay, it is not okay, as David and Mark and definitely Richard here today have confirmed in their own way so far, it is not okay to be busy 
versus being productive, efficient, effective, and knowing that you are making enough money to survive the next quarter, the next year, the next year, so that your dreams for not only your business, but your life are true for you and definitely your team. You need to get better at margin control. So we know that margin control is a moving beast right now. It always has been, but more so right now, the intensity around the awareness, the education, the ability to deliver on time and on budget every single day, what didn't happen that should have happened, what should have happened that didn't happen, that's about margin control and ensuring that your resources that you're deploying four people, 10 people, 20 people, two people every other day is absolutely delivering at the highest level and the juice, the juice is worth the squeeze. Your ability to be really, really clear about, I can't be the best and most reliable and have an unbelievable communication system and be the cheapest. That just does not work. And it's a destiny called death, maybe insolvency. If you're being too busy being the best electrician, the best carpenter, the best builder, the best plumber in your business versus being the best owner of a plumbing contracting business, the best owner of an electrical contracting business, the best owner of a building construction business, then you are definitely going to be leaving money on the table. So I want to open this up to our um, to our panel here today. And I'll start with you, Richard, because I mean you're you're the you're the uh you're the what we're speaking to today being the tradie in this region who's running a little business that's on its way to become a really good little business. So Richard, as you see um, this as a point of reference, the projection is that 40% of trades and construction are going to go into insolvency. And the ability to start saying no is to your advantage. How do you speak to this um, to this um, sharing in our trade hour episode here today? Yeah, so when people um, try to be the best, the most reliable and the cheapest, it, it just it can't happen because if you want good communication, it costs money to have the systems, the software and the people to do it. So, you know, understanding the margin and the control um, within your business, um, you have to be able to say no. Um, because if you say yes to everything and you're everything to everyone, um, well then, and you and you want to be the cheapest, you just can't because you can't keep up the level of communication. You can't have the systems in place. Um, and then you won't be able to talk with the wholesalers to make sure that the margins that you need to make are there. So you really have to be careful what you do say yes and what you say no to. Um, and that's where, you know, BBG have been able to help us out in that because two years ago, I was on the tools working crazy hours. Um, where now I spend a lot of time looking at the numbers and making sure we make money where we need to make money. And if the job, if there's no margin in the job, well, then we're not going to be around to serve the customers. So um, we're getting more comfortable with saying no, especially at the moment. And really interesting. I noticed your flight plan, which you're just about in July, later on this month, you'll be, uh, you'll be doing the, uh, the flight plan for the fourth time which is unbelievable we do it every six months what's your uh second pink slip on your flight plan there mate just look over your shoulder i can see it. what's your second pink slip what does that say um well there's finance but mine was scripted sales um sales process um for the staff to follow Interesting. So a scripted sales process for the staff to follow, which is six months ago, you made that decision, which is why it's pink. Um, how is that tracking for you almost at the anniversary of that commitment by you, the owner, for your team to get better at what they're saying yes to and what they're saying no to? 
Yeah, so we, um, in the scripted sales process, we've got key um, words to listen out for um, when people take the phone call um, and they know whether we take that job on or not. So rather than me doing all of it, that gives me time to then look at the other numbers. Um, so it's coming very well. We're just measuring the conversions at the moment. Mate, I love you. Well done. And again, you represent everything that's possible in this, this most amazing country called Australia, as long as you do the work. Mate, fantastic. Good stuff. Thank you, Richard. Um, David, I'll, I'll actually, Mark, I'll flick to you. Which one, how does this, how does this sharing, how do you respond and or relate to this sharing? And, and, and again, which one stands out for you as to if you prevented these five bits, you won't be that stat. Which one stands out for you from where you see the, uh, the, the world of trades and construction in this region? I think Richard hit, hit the nail on the head when he spoke about margin. Um, you know, uh, every business has got a, a cost uh, to run their business and uh, that works out to, um, to, to, to the margin and then you need to make, make sure that you're making money. So um, it starts off with the quoting process. You know, you, you really need to understand what your true costs are and what it costs to run your business. And then there needs to be a margin that's put on it. So, and, you know, it's a whole process. I say to my sales team, every day of the week, that if you're, you're doing a quote for a client and you're not prepared to follow it up, don't do the quote. Don't waste your time. I so love that. You, you put your effort into doing the quote. You need to make sure that you're, you're operating at a, a margin that is going to make you money. Too, too often I hear in talking to contractors that they've taken on a job where they're not only going to cover wages. Um, and uh, all they need is one thing to go wrong in that job uh, Richard, I'm sure you'd agree with this. One, you know, time constraint. Uh, they're waiting on another trade to finish. You've got guys standing around doing nothing. Well, there goes the wages and there goes the profit. And the next thing you know, you're losing money on the job. You know, once upon a time, you know, if you lost money on a job, you might be able to make it up on the next job. Well, you know, that, that's, that's not the case these days. You need to make sure that you're quoting profitable work, be in charge of your costs, understand you, what your costs are and work on, an, on a, a margin that, you're, that you, you can't move from. Once you start moving from that margin, you, your profitability goes out the door. And, and what we typically, and, and a really good point, if you're going to quote it, which is very expensive, like if you think about the unpaid work of quoting, like if you think about, if you think about if you needed to pay someone to quote for you, we're talking SMEs now, as you get into the mid-range and beyond, you pay someone, an estimator or, or someone on your sales team, whatever it may be, to quote, and therefore it's a quantifiable expense. When it's the owner in the, in the early stages or even the second stage phase of business to be doing the quoting, it's regarded as unpaid work. But the hours you put into it, is an opportunity cost, right? I mean, if it costs you 150 bucks an hour to quote and you're not charging for it and you're not following up quotes, that rhymes with dumb tax. That's all it is. So you've got to get better at uh, minimising, am I doing this because I want to be popular and I'm just throwing my hat in the ring and, and therefore the qualification process before the quoting needs to be elevated. 
because it's no good quoting something that you could very, very quickly, based on what is important to you and your business and where you're heading as it relates to ideal customer, ideal job, ideal margin, in three or four questions right up front, like we're talking a 30-minute decent business-to-business conversation or business-to-consumer conversation, you can eliminate needing to do the next one or two or three hours, maybe even 10 hours of quoting. How much is that worth when you get that time back? And all of a sudden, there alone is a, a free kick that's worth, you know, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year for a mid-sized trades and construction-based business. So, and as you get better at quoting your ability to every other day, what didn't happen that should have happened? What should have happened that didn't happen? What are we doing about it? The we is the team, not you, the owner. It's no good pointing fingers when we're into the game. When we're into the game, we're gonna do our best to get through the game without breaking a bone or, 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 or producing brain damage, right? We're going to get through. And uh, sometimes getting through, if you're aware you're behind the eight ball, it's as good as breaking even with a minimum profit. And you take the learnings and the learnings are the scars that help you become the Goliath at some point, you know, 10 years from today, five years from today, a million dollars from today. That's how you grow. You grow on, we lost, there's this conversation in the market that says, oh, you win or you learn. No, no, you don't fucking learn. You lost. So let's take the learning. I think we need to get a little more brutal in accepting we lost. And therefore, you stand up a little further and say, okay, what are we doing about it? Which is where the key to success comes from. David, as it relates to this, this slide, this, 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 this sharing here and, and the prediction from those that are way smarter than me, Way smarter than me, and definitely uh, they wear uh, three 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 uh, three piece suits these days. What what stands out for you as it relates to traders in this region? I mean, you are a twenty thousand customer deep organisation, Australia, New Zealand, UK. But let's talk about Australia, New Zealand. What stands out for you as it relates to this sharing? Yeah, I think, I think it's exactly the same as, as everyone else has said. It, margin control, but it needs to be conscious. So how, how do you provide um, insight without having to spend your entire time in P&Ls and things like that? Because that's just not usual, the usual skill of your average tradie. They understand jobs. So you actually have to understand, well, what's this job like? And particularly as it relates to hours, you know, understanding what you said the last job that looked like this was and what did you actually do is important for your next quote that you do for that same sort of a job. Um, a lot of the old timers are really good at going, yep, yeah, 18 GPOs, you know, running X, Y, Z of, of cable, that'll be about five grand. They're wrong, right? It, it, like that was fine when things weren't as moving. And we said at the outset, there's a lot of moving parts at the moment, particularly in terms of prices, but also in labor. You need to look at your last job that was similar in terms of time and actually go, okay, I over, I over, uh, I underquoted on that one on time. I've learned. I know that it needs to be actually 10 hours of work for that particular part of the job and having real time. And this is where we work with, with midis on price books and things like that, having real time. Cause sometimes you don't have it, have the time to go back to, it's not a big enough project to go back to the, the store manager or your account manager to actually ask for a quote around a particular job, actually knowing, Oh, hang on a minute. It's a two day job. I need to quote it to win it what's my price right now? And Midi's actually provides us with those price books so that you can actually go into the system and go, okay, I've looked at my, my, my hours on a job like that and I'm pretty comfortable it's going to be eight hours. I said five last time, but it was eight, so I'll go with eight. 
and I know that I need, uh, you know, XYZ of, of cable and I need these particular you know, outlets and I need these particular panels. And the, my price today from MIDI's is this. And now obviously, you know, you can go back and maybe get a slightly better, better offer based on having a chat to the account manager and what on your volumes, but you can quote with confidence very quickly by doing that. And then you go to the, the never saying no. If you've got the control and you actually, you can understand what you're doing, then you can go, well, why would I do this? Why would I go and, you know, flog myself when there's other work? There's plenty of work out there. If there's other work that, that is going to make me money, why would I say yes to this? So it's, it's, it's not about saying no, it's actually just don't say yes. Like if it's not going to get you profit, why would you do it? And it's interesting, right? Because most of us say no, because we're too busy. And what we're asking or suggesting in my interpretation and, and from my perspective, we're asking business owners in trades and construction so you're not one of the four in ten. Yep. So you minimise that number as a, even an industry. Why are we okay with 40%? Let's bring that down to 10%, right? And let's bring it down to zero because it's it's, 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 it's decent people who who are doing the best that they can that ultimately end up being that number. So how do we help you say no? How do you help yourself say no? Not because it's about being busy, but it's not good for you. It's not good for you to say yes to that. You'd rather stay home and look after the kids or go and kick the ball in the foot in, 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 in the park than go and say, I just need to be busy because I've got to get some money coming through. But what you do when you say that is you're building a reputation for being, again, the best, the most reliable, but the very cheapest. If you build a reputation of being that, it takes you years to unwind that and you've got to break, you got to, you know, you got to, you got to get off the crack cocaine, as they say, right? It needs, so, it needs, to, be two, it needs to be two things, Steph, and, and, and there's no excuse for this anymore because you will go broke if you don't do this. It needs to be conscious decision and it needs to be educated. So you actually have to go, I am choosing this piece of work because it will be profitable. And, and you might have a loss later. You might have, you know, have just talked to multiplex and they're going to give you, but it's conscious. So you go, it's all right. It's a tough one, but I might get a multi-million dollar contract out of this. But you don't go into it on, on gut feel. You actually have to be conscious and educated. If you do those two things, you, you, you can at least manage your business. And it doesn't Absolutely. need to take lots of time. Yeah, re really interesting on that, and, and and I'll just give it ten seconds. Like, yes, I had a client exactly in that situation. Tier one, tier one customer. They knew they were taking on something that was going to be break even at a minimum profit. And what we what we agreed with the client yesterday is we're only going to say yes if they truly commit to the two other jobs that they're flagging as the carrot. You do this and you'll get that. Well, you know what? I will do this and give me those two today so I can put it into the schedule. Now we're moving forward as a partnership. All good, win, win, win. Uh, just as a conclusion, the tradey hour, season three has commenced and, and he's running. Good to have everyone here today. I'm sure your questions and, uh, and, 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 and feedback is in the, uh, in the chat. Really love that. Um, as a concluding piece here today, Richard, Richard, as to how you see the next two to three years in, uh, in Adelaide, South Australia, CNR, All Sparks, family owned, locally owned, ultimately doing a really, really good job at steering and driving this business in the right direction. How do you see the next two, three years as part of your conclusion to this episode here today? Um, one thing that stood out the most to me was actually 70% of people still do paper. Um, if you're doing paper and you're busy and cheap, you don't have the time to go back and reflect on it. So by the time that you get the time to spend on it, um, people will possibly go broke because you. by the time you do all the paperwork, it's too late. The money's already gone. You've missed that opportunity. 
And you might have already quoted three or four or five other jobs exactly the same. So if people aren't careful, you will go backwards. Um, our business, we won't be doing that because we monitor it very well. Um, and we'll have a structured and continuous growth um, over the next three years. All right, power to you and just don't be in a hurry. Just stay committed to being the best you can be. Well done, buddy. Uh, David, how do you see the next two, three years playing out? Yeah, I'd say the same thing as Richie there. Like, I'd love to see that flipped on its head so that's 30% that aren't on some sort of job management system. And it's not about accounting system. By the time it gets to a PL, it's too late. You have to actually understand it at the job level. You know, um, we, we, we talked about MIDI's. MIDI's very supportive. Whether it's us or someone else, right, you've got to get yourself on a job management system. So we'd love to see the industry, you know, flip flip the other way in terms of, of, the, of simple tech to, to manage every aspect of a job. Fantastic. And take us out, Mark, as it relates to what do you see as it relates to the trades and construction industry in this region over the next two to three years? Firstly, job management system to me just seems like an absolute no-brainer. Um, I think every electrician should be on one. Um, look, I see the market is going to be really, it's going to be really buoyant, really strong. Um, I'm not going to probably go three years down the track because I'm, you know, that's a little bit crystal ballish, but you know, I see the next 12 to 24 months. Um, in the residential market being very strong. Um, you know, I can't see that really slowing down too much. I think commercially, uh, there's plenty of work out there, a lot of government money. Um, there's more confidence from the private investor. I think that's really strong. And the good old renovation market, which a lot of small to medium electrical contractors play in, I think that's going to be nice and buoyant as well. So overall, I think we're going to have the, the right marketplace. Just electricians need to be in control of their business and... Um, and uh, you know, onwards and upwards. I think, Stephen. Yeah, well done. I want to. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here and uh, contributing the way you have. Simply stunning. Uh, thank you, Richard. Thank you so much, David, for making some time to be here. And an amazing Mark. Um, just, just true, uh, true, true, and pure insights from the three of you. And 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 what a great, um, what a great episode of the Trady Hour, brought to you by Business Benchmark Group. And, and again, you know, the importance of continuing to build relationships, almost equivalent to partnership level with your team. Because if your team are uninterested and misaligned, then they will deliver an uninterested and misaligned service to your customer. Building partnerships with your supply chain, they are not the enemy. They are your partner in being a successful business. Choose wisely and hold them to account as they should be holding you to account. And most importantly, the partnership with the customer that you deserve. Continuously be elevating, elevating the level of customer you work with, and that always starts with me, with you, us, who run and grow the business. In order to be an attractive business for your ideal customer, ideal job, ideal margin, you must get better at being attractive. And with that, I thank every one of you for being here today. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your private messages. I so look forward to next week's episode and we'll see you there, the Trady Hour.